When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is our weekly podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Scout Scout Network. In each episode, we'll look back on the game week we've just played and assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. We'll also catch up with a member of the Scout Network to find out what they've been up to, as well as gaining an insight into their FPL planning and content. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's Scout the Game Week. This week, I am joined by Greg, Adam and Nick from the FPL Experiment podcast. Guys, thanks for coming back to talk to me again. You all okay? Oh, good. Really good. Energised as well after the international breaks. Uh, good to be back. I think it feels quite nice, doesn't it, the international break? Suddenly it's like, oh, feel a bit rejuvenated and like I'm ready to go again now till the end of the season. Well, These guys were saying yesterday on, on our pod that they were absolutely exhausted and they were glad of the rest. But I'm not <laughs> sure FPL is really that taxing, but, you know, hey-ho. I think it is in some ways. Like, I think sometimes it's just the constant thinking about it. It's nice to just have a couple of days where you go... I can watch some football and not have to worry about if my player is doing something or not doing something, as the case may be. I think that's it for the season because it's been so intense with like the blank game weeks, the double game weeks, and you've got games here and there everywhere. It was just so, it was so much every, every weekend, every midweek. So it was just nice to relax, turn off from football. I mean, I didn't even watch international football this week and uh, get ready for this game week. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're recording this just before England play Poland. So we've got some few more international fixtures to go before before we can get back into proper FPL. And of course, you know, things might change as a result of that. But I think it's it's been quite nice to be able to just watch football without needing to kind of panic or make a transfer or anything like that. Like I've I've not opened the price check changes and, and I kind of looked at who's going up or who's going down. So I might get a terrible shock come Friday when I've got to make some transfers if they then don't fit in budget. But it's quite nice, actually. I think I do feel a bit better for the rest. Of course, yesterday's double game week announcement for 32 kind of threw me back into it again. And it was like, oh, OK, actually, I, I better start thinking about how I'm how I'm going with Spurs. Um, as somebody that's already got three, I'm not sure whether I've got the right three moving forward. But who are your threes now? Uh, well, I've got the obvious two in, in Kane and Son, but I've also got Gareth Bale. Um, who came in for game week 29 thinking, oh, you know, yeah, that'd be good. Son's not playing. Bow can play instead. And then Mourinho dropped him. And then, as we'll talk about later, he made some comments which maybe might have just angered the manager just a little bit. And now I'm a bit concerned about his minutes going forward. So let's see. Let's see what happens there. Um, now, normally at this point, I would get you guys to tell us a little bit about yourselves and where the idea for the experiment podcast came from. But of course, you guys have told us about this before, and now you've appeared on the official FPL show. Everybody probably knows who you are. But for those that don't or are new to this podcast in particular, just give us a little bit of a summary about the FPL experiment and, and what you guys are up to. So the FPL experiment is Greg, Nick and me. I'm Adam. So we've all played fantasy football for ages, um, probably for too long. And we spent <laughs> a long time talking about fancy football like all the time on WhatsApp. So we decided, hey, why not? Let's do a podcast. And so with the FPL Experiment podcast, there is one team and we all put in together our thoughts 
for the one team. And we set ourselves a target at the start of the year to finish in the top 50K, which I'm going to be honest, I didn't think was going to be that achievable because I thought we'd just argue because we've been mates for a long time and we all play the game very differently. But actually at the moment, we're sat at 46K. So we're yes. doing okay. But I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. You know, there's still a long way to go and a lot could happen. We're just no, it's done now. It's done. As it comes. It's fine. That's it. You've hit your dream now. You've we're done on it. We're the home straight. We can say we were in there at one point. That's you just got to hold it now. <laughs> I said yesterday, Sam, on our podcast that if I was listening... I would, I would probably, there would be part of me that would want us to finish in the top 50k. But now we're in it, I think there would be part of me listening, thinking, I hope there's this spectacular fall from grace. No, <laughs> it'll be fine. I think you've done the hard bit now, you've broken it. So it's just a case of, you know, staying true to the the premiums, I guess, the ones that can hurt your rank and, and trying to gain some momentum from your differentials. I suppose that's what the majority of people inside the top 50K are kind of looking at doing now. Um, I know certainly for me, that's one of the things that I'm considering as a result of, you know, having a wild card coming up, I'm starting to think about which players can I afford to lose and which ones do I want to lose? Because there's some that are so highly owned that I know if I take them out and they then start performing, it's going to probably chuck me back out of where I want to be again. So it's, it's something I'm thinking about. Okay, let's scout the game week then. Game week 29 feels like a long time ago um, with all this international break fun that's been happening. It was a blank game week as well, so it was much shorter than normal. Um, but let's think about what we can learn from it. We'll start with Spurs. I think given the news about the double game week coming up in game week 32, that's where a lot of FPL managers are going to have their their thoughts right now. Uh, Regulion really unlucky goes off just before 60 minutes. Very disappointing for his owners. He did say at the end of that game that he's fine, does seem to have taken part in training over international break. So I think he's okay, but it's very disappointing if you're a Regulion owner. Obviously came with yet another goal and has scored for England. Um, so he seems to be good. As I mentioned before, Bale on the bench again. What are we doing about Spurs? Obviously they've got there's going to be a high ownership of, of managers anyway on the basis of you know the double that they had previously and the fact that they played in blank game week 29 but from those games that we've seen particularly from game week 29 is there anyone in particular apart from Kane of course that you think you know actually you really really must have going into 32. We had a bit of a debate about this last night because Nick's kind of what we've got Bale in our team like yourself mm. Simon given all the stuff that, that's happened from his comments, obviously, after the game week, the fact that he was dropped for, for blank game week as well, like, has his time come and should should he be in our squad? But then you've got the game coming up with, against Newcastle where you kind of want someone like that in your team to play against that Newcastle team with the double game week coming up as well. But I'm of the opinion where I don't really want Bale in my team anymore. And I think that ship sailed and I don't want a 10 million or 9 million plus asset sitting on there thinking, is he going to play or is he not going to play? And I think it's quite an easy decision for me the others will disagree but to move off of bail and, and bring some back in because he's a proven asset this season and I, I don't think you want to overthink that's it that conundrum really double double spares son and Kane get him in I think that we need to understand a bit more about why Jose dropped him because Ad made a great point when we were chatting yesterday which was he thinks Bale may have been dropped because he doesn't track back and Sun does. So with Sun back, maybe Bale is an option again for Jose. So I want Bale against Newcastle and just give him one more game. Like I wouldn't be going, you know, 
out there to try and buy him now. But if you've got him, I'd keep him for one more game and just see what happens. Yeah, do you know what, Nick? I agree with that. And I disagree with, with what you've said, Greg, because you've only given Bale that one game. He was dropped for one game. But you've got to remember, before the Arsenal game, Spurs were great with Son, Bale and Kane in the team. And if Son's back and if Bale's in the team, then I want Bale in my team for that double. So I think you need to wait to see what's going to happen this week and to see whether or not Bale starts. Because irrespective of if he starts this week and doesn't perform, I'd still be looking at him as the player I want in because with the three of them in the lineup, Son's the creator and the other two, Kane and Bale, are the goal scorers. And I just think there's a higher potential ceiling if all three of them are starting. But like you said, Nick, I wouldn't be rushing to bring in Bale this week because that's a bit of a risk. But and It is a lot of money if you get all three, but I wouldn't... I'm not bothered about getting any of their defenders. Like their defenders just do not excite me. Like they might get the odd clean sheet, but they're then they're, they're not that exciting going forward. So I, I think if you're going to get three for a double, get three midfielders or, or forwards, obviously. And Sam, you've got all three of those players in question. I do. In your team. What's your plan with that? It's really tough, I think, because so Sun and Kane for me go nowhere. I think they are going to be ever-present till the end of the season, as long as we get news that, that Sun's okay from his injury pre-international break. And, and I think he will be. You know, there was a lot of rumour coming out that he probably could have t- taken part in game week 29, but, you know, with the international duty coming, that it was probably best you sat it out. So I'm very, very happy to own those two. Now, the question about Gareth Bale is, is really interesting to me, and I think a lot of FPL managers will be facing this dilemma as well. Um, I sort of agree with all three of you in some ways because I actually don't want to have him anymore. I feel like moving forward and for game week 32, I've got my eyes on Regulion. I think I think owning a Spurs defender, whilst I agree with you that clean sheets aren't always necessarily there, um, Regulion has um, had 17 goal attempts so far this season and he's not played in that many games. That's the fifth most in the Spurs team. It's more than people like Lucas Moura. Um, He's also got the most successful crosses from open play across the entire Spurs side, across the, the, the league so far, the season so far. So for me, he's one that has real upside potential. And I think we'll get some consistency of starts from him in the league. Hopefully now he's back from injury. Um, and without the disruption of European football for Spurs. So he's one that I'm looking at. Now, the only make way to get him would be to lose Gareth Bale. Now, much like Adam and Nick just said, I'm not prepared to lose him ahead of that Newcastle game because I think he probably could start him against Newcastle. The question I have is, does he want to start him now he's made these comments about how he's only at Spurs because he wanted to get fitness for the Euros? I do think that that will go down very, very badly with Mourinho. Yeah, Jose's bound to be annoyed about that, but I don't know whether or not those comments have been taken a bit out of context. Like, okay, I think he they came were. To get, yeah, he came to get fit. Is that a big revelation that he came to get fit for Wales? I don't no. really think that it was in any way whatsoever. Everybody knew that. And I he's going back to Real Madrid at the end of the season. Yeah, because contractually, he has to go back at the end of the season. He's got a year left on his contract. That's just fact. It's not. He's not trying to anger anybody by saying that. I think people have just tried to sensationalise slightly what he said. I do too. And I think he came out to me a couple of days later in the next Wales interview and basically said, you know, all I was saying is that I have to go back to Real Madrid because they are my parent club. And the agreement is that I'm at Spurs until the end of this season. 
he did then go on to say you know my agent and I will sit down after the Euros and after my holiday and discuss where I play next season so for me as a Spurs fan I looked at his arrival and thought it would be for a year because the reality of the situation is we cannot afford to pay his wages as they are right now um, we also probably can't afford to buy him out unless Real Madrid are prepared to offer him at a ridiculously cheap price, which they might be given he's only got a year on his contract. So there's conversations to be had. Um, whether he comes back or not permanently, I don't know. I just think that, you know, it will be interesting to see what happens with him going forward. He He's one of the only midfielders that's gone away on international duty. The likes of, of Mora have, have been back in camp with Sun. So I do have some concerns about his minutes going forward till the end of the season and at his price point, he's expensive. However, it's Newcastle. They are absolutely woeful this season, particularly defensively. You know, they they just don't look like they are they're going to be any good they've conceded I wrote down that they've conceded 113 chances from the right flank this season obviously that's going to bode really well for Sun if he plays um that's the most in the league they've also conceded 161 shots from outside the box again that's the most in the league whereas Spurs have scored nine goals from outside the box this season the fourth best in the league with Sun and Kane registering six of those goals Kane got four Sun got two and off Sun's two goals Kane got the assists of those as well so the potential upside in this game is massive. So I think for me, I'm looking at the Spurs assets with a view that Bale might not be there for double game week 32, but he certainly will be for game week 30. I think it's worth tempering our expectations a little bit with this Newcastle course. Yes, Newcastle have been poor, like really, really poor. They're, they're, they're atrocious. But in terms of the last four game weeks, they're actually not the worst side in the Premier League for conceding big chances. That They're actually yeah. eighth. Something like that. When it when it comes to like you've got Sheffield United are obviously way ahead of everyone when it comes Awful. to yeah big, big chances conceded. So I do think they'll lose, but I don't think it might it won't be the drubbing that everyone's expected. Uh, I think I like, maybe we're looking at maybe two or Greg. Maybe. Why are you spoiling Sam's fun? She's just trying to look forward to the weekend. Come on now, loads Greg. Of goals. Come on. <laughs> And we've got to make amends for that penalty, that awful penalty that was given against us in the reverse of this fixture earlier on in the season. Oh, like yeah, right at the end of the game. That horrendous handball by Eric Dyer looking oh. the other way. I'm still angry. You can guarantee the Spurs players are still angry. We're, there is revenge to be had. Harry Kane also, before we move on from Spurs, got a brace in this fixture last season. So captain material all over but we'll talk about that later okay let's move on from Spurs because otherwise I'll be here all night let's have a little talk about Villa because obviously as Spurs' opponents in blank game week 29 I was really surprised by Villa in that game just didn't really show up and to be honest Dean Smith's comments after the game fascinated me talking about how Covid has really affected them and they just haven't been able to kind of get back the momentum that they had prior to this but I think they just really, really miss Jack Grealish. And without him, Watkins hasn't scored since he was out of the side. They just don't seem to have much going forward. What are your thoughts on Villa? Because obviously they're very, very highly owned amongst FPL managers. I mean, they started the season on fire. Swashbuckling through the league, really, really attractive from an attacking perspective. And obviously clean sheets for fun, which they kept been then quite solid re- um, recently from a clean sheet aspect. But when Grealish is, is not in that team, they're just devoid of attacking options and ideas. I mean, when you look at Watkins over the last six game weeks, his stats are actually awful. He's mm. down like 
20th and 22nd when it, in terms of strikers when it comes to shots, shots in the box, shots on target, big chances created, is, is actually pretty bad. But he's owned by a considerable amount of players still. But I think when Great, Grealish comes back into that team, they become a completely different a, a attacking unit. And Nick, you mentioned last night that we were discussing Grealish and actually wasn't that good when it came to the sort of final month before he actually got injured. But he did actually return four times in the last six games with three assists and one goal. So it's not as bad as everyone seems to think that his form was. Yeah, I, th I think it's all relative, isn't it? Because Grealish was so good at the start of the season and him and him and Watkins and Barkley had like a really nice relationship. But I think... No, I, I, it, I mean, I personally, in, in my own team, not that I like to talk about our own teams, but I have Watkins and I want to get rid of him sharpish because mm. I, I, I just can't, I can't wait around any, any longer for, for firstly, for Grealish to show up and secondly, um, for them to get that relationship back. So I, I, I'd be inclined to, to get rid if, 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 if I had him now. Thing is, Greg, Grealish was picking up points just before he got injured. But I had him in my own personal team. And it was actually really irritating because there were so many other midfielders at that point that were scoring much higher. That was the point when Barnes and Madison were scoring really yeah. freely. And I made the wrong decision, essentially. The, the difference with Grealish at the start of the season and just before he got injured was that they were playing him in that role where he was much more of a provider. And there, there weren't so many shots on goal coming from him. Um, and he wasn't, as much of a goal scorer. So he was scoring points and that's fine. But ultimately, for your midfield picks, you want midfielders that are scoring goals and assisting. Is it enough to have somebody like Grealish who is only assisting? And for me, it probably isn't. I want I want both from my midfielders because I'm greedy. What about the defence though? Because Martinez is owned by like 40% of the game. Um, so influential in terms of you know your movement up mini leagues and overall rank and that sort of stuff if, if they keep clean sheets he has been outstanding for managers that owned him but I'm looking at the fixtures and okay they've got Fulham in game week 30 but that's not as easy a game as it was maybe two or three months ago following on from that they've got Liverpool Man City then a couple of nice fixtures against West Brom and Everton followed by Manchester United then Palace which is nice and then they end the season with Spurs and Chelsea so these are not fixtures for the most part that I see clean sheets in for Martinez. As somebody that's got a wild card, I'm seriously thinking about losing Martinez after this Fulham game. Um, I don't necessarily look at these fixtures and see clean sheets where I look at Chelsea and think, you know, Mendy could get a lot more clean sheets between now and the end of the season. Um, I look at the Wolves fixtures and think, you know, if Patricio is OK, which I think he's going to be. I can see him getting multiple clean sheets more than I can, the likes of Martinez. Even Lloris, if you want to go really rogue, there's more opportunities for Spurs. Yeah, a little bit. But there's more opportunities for him, I think, to get clean sheets than there is for Martinez. Now, of course, Martinez always has the upside of saves. He makes so many that there's always going to be that potential upside. But how, how are we feeling about the Aston Villa defence? Are they the sort of players that we hold through this difficult run of fixtures? Or do we just say, thank you for everything you've done for us up until this point, but now's the time to say goodbye? I definitely think the latter, Sam, because I think this is a time of, se of the season where you have to start looking at what teams have got to play, play for. And I don't really think Villa have a huge amount to play for. So they're not going to be that focused and motivated defensively. I, I think that there's not... good like. Listening to those fixtures there, there's not going to be loads of 
clean sheets there for me. So I think, as you say, there's so many more better options. I think you, you know, pat him on the back, send him on his way. I think no so. room for sentiment. No room for sentiment at all. I mean, he's been so good to us in our team. I think we've had him right from the very start. But I find it difficult to get rid of a player that consistently has given us clean sheets and mm-hmm. has given us bonus points. And with Grealish coming back, and you say they've got nothing to play for, but you know we've already mentioned we, we've talked about this between us, where players are heading to the European Championships this summer. And you've got those players that are going to be really keen to impress. If I'm Tyrone Mings at the yep. back, I'm not going to want to be thinking about being on the beach. I'm thinking, right, I need to be part of that England setup. If I'm Jack Grealish, I'm I'm gunning for it for the end of the season. Yeah. So I don't know about getting rid of Martinez. I think the problem this season has been sometimes we're, we're kind of stuck in mindsets that we've had over previous seasons. Whereas we've got a player who's consistently performed for however many weeks... I, I'm, I'm struggling to think, should I get rid of him? Do you know that he won't know if we drop him? Like, he's, <laughs> he's not going to be upset. That's not forming part of my thinking, no. In any way. <laughs> Do you not think, though, it's like that time of the season where you want to have a little bit of fun with your, your squad as well? And I think if you do get rid of Martinez, it'd be exciting to own a bit of that Chelsea defence, even double up with Mendy and goal, which is your safe option into that into that defence, and then go with someone else. And then you know you are probably going to be there or thereabouts with the points that maybe Martinez will pick up in that time slot as well. So I'm more on Sam's side than, than Adam in regards to that. I, I mean, I don't really care if Martinez knows if he's in our team or not. I want a bit of Mendy. See, this is where my head's going at the moment. I'm looking at my, my goalkeeper situation and thinking, Martinez, I haven't owned it. Maybe this is the other thing is I haven't actually owned Martinez for that long. I've had him for maybe a month now. Otherwise, you know, he'd punish me for months and months and months. And eventually I, I kind of swallowed my pride and was like, right, I've just got to do a goalkeeper transfer. It's just getting ridiculous and brought him in. But I'm now looking at the fixtures thinking, I think you might have done your time. And I think potentially there's other keepers out there that might I might just... Might just take my fancy for the next few weeks of the season. And it's an opportunity to for those with their wild card, which there's might not be that many out. I don't really know the stat around how many wild cards are left still to play. We've got ours, but I think those with a wild card, it's an opportunity to get even higher up than maybe where you currently are by by yeah. being a little bit clever with that Martinez switch. Yeah, I, that's how I see it. I think, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily do it just as a game week transfer. Because there's always other things to do and other things to prep for. But when my wild card's in play, I just can't see Martinez staying in after that. I think he probably might make it through to bench boost time. But after that, I think he goes. Well, we're talking about defences. Let's talk about Brighton. Because obviously people piled in on the Brighton defence ahead of blank game week 29 for their nice fixture against Newcastle. And they did deliver. To be fair to Brighton, they were they were really good in that game. Duncan and co kept clean sheets, built one with some attacking returns. They played really well. I mean, Newcastle were atrocious going forward, so they didn't really have a lot of threat, but they did do they did do a really good job. But the fixtures for Brighton are just hellish. So they've got Manchester United next in game week 30, followed by Everton Chelsea. Then they do have a nice little run where they play Sheffield United, Leeds, and Wolves, but Leeds and Wolves can score goals, Sheffield United different kettle official together and then after that they finished the season with an informed West Ham team Manchester City and Arsenal what do you do with the likes of Veltman and Dunn because in some ways many people will be at least owning one maybe two I for example have Ben White who I have no loyalty to and he gets no attacking returns he did the job he did the job for me at a time where I couldn't, I was 0.1 away from Kane and Dunk and I wasn't going to compromise on Kane so in came Ben White instead He's done fine, but I look at the fixtures. 
I also look at Brighton's position in the league and think you're pretty much safe now because it's going to be a contest, looks like, between Fulham and Newcastle in terms of who's staying in the division. I can't see Brighton falling behind again. What do we do about them? Is it just a straight, let's just sell? I don't know. I, I think this is quite an interesting one, Sam, because they did look good last time out. Um, and I know it was only Newcastle, but still. And despite some like really positive defensive numbers, they've still only kept one cliche sheet in the last four. So I think to answer the question of who do we keep, I think, like you say, you've got to look at their league position. But say if they lose all, the, all of those three that they've got coming up, they could be back in the mix. So yeah. I, th- I think, to my mind, they're going to need to attack the running and they might throw caution to the wind. So from a defensive perspective, I would not be bothered about keeping any of their defenders. I think from, from an attacking perspective, players like Trossard could be interesting and just keep them on, keep them on your bench for a few games. And then if they do have to go for it in certain games, they, they, they will probably not keep a clean sheet and they might get some attacking points as well. So... I think midfielders forwards, actually not forwards. I wouldn't want Neil Mo- Mopai not, not near, near my team. No not, way. Not, not but but maybe, <laughs> but maybe Trossard, I think he, he could be, if he gets a consistent kind of few points uh, week to week, he could be a really interesting player to have. It's difficult with, with Brighton defenders, I think, because, you know, as I've said, Ben White has no attacking threat whatsoever. So my inclination to replace him with Rudiger for example at Chelsea just to benefit from the clean sheets that look likely there seems like an absolute no-brainer but I think with players like Veltman and Lewis Dunk there's a bit more of a question to be asked because they are attacking you know we we held or a lot of FPL managers held players like um, Robertson and Trent when they weren't getting any clean sheets because of the attacking potential that they had. Robertson and Trent to Veltman. I might have done, Greg. I might have done. I might have just compared. Don't tell my husband. He'll be furious. (laughs) However, you know, from an attacking point of view, actually, I'd argue that Veltman and Dunk have been better this season than Robertson and and Trent, obviously not in a long-term basis. but, But my point is that I think, you know, those fixtures, they don't look great. But equally, as Nick said, they probably are going to still play till the end of the season. That's kind of been Brighton's strategy. They have been attacking. They just haven't scored a lot of goals. They've still kept attacking. So is there scope for kind of going, all right, well, you know, the fixtures aren't great from a defensive point of view, but Duncan and Veltman might get some upside. With nine games left of the season, to be holding on to assets because they might... the way you're speaking, Sam, it's almost like a gut feel that you hope, you're almost hoping for an attack in return when I think... Probably, yeah. The sensible way of looking at it, taking being a bit dispassionate about it, I think it's easier to get rid of a Brighton defender right now and hop back on to the little fixture change after these three game weeks than to hold them on the hope that you're going to get an attack in return when actually there are some other teams coming up right now that will probably offer just as good attacking options from a defensive perspective, as well as some clean sheets too. And like Rudiger's, as you said, a very safe, easy chance to swap off of a dunk of Veltman, whoever it may be, and get some man away into that Chelsea team. And I think the time, is, the time for a Brighton defender has been and gone, I think, for us. I think so. It feels like it. But what? All right. I'm going to raise you one easy decision with another. Newcastle, we need to talk about them because I think, you know, they are going to be one of the teams that are on people's lists of clubs that have to continue to play till the end of the season. Defensively, they've been pretty atrocious. They badly need Callum Wilson back. I think that has become apparent moving forward that they they just have been awful without him. Is there any scope? And if the answer is just no, then we'll just move on very fast. But you know, I think a lot of managers will be looking, I am certainly, I'm looking at targeting the top 
the players that are, you know, attempting to get into the top four, attempting to get into the European spots. And also I'm having a, a look at the bottom end and thinking about potentially Fulham and, and, and Newcastle and, and, you know, maybe Brighton, depending upon how their situation pans out. But is there anybody at Newcastle that's worth clinging on to? Because they are cheap, so they could be good bench fodder when the difficult games come round. I'm just wondering how I can pad this no out and make it sound interesting. <laughs> And just knows, all right, Adam. It's okay. I to yeah, I, no. I don't think there's a way that I can make Newcastle sound interesting at the moment. I don't even think if you're a fan of Newcastle, you'd listen and think I was a bad man for suggesting that. You probably would completely agree. Ad, go on. Of all people, you could make Newcastle sound sexy. Give us a line on John Joe Shelby. He's <laughs> got a wonderful, wonderful delivery um, once a season. And <laughs> but there's no one there to, to to benefit from this one delivery that he might put in. I just feel like with Newcastle, if they were gonna bounce, they there would have been a bounce. Like there would have been yeah. action by now. I feel like they're just rudderless, and I'm surprised Bruce is still there. Um, yeah, I, I I just don't see Wilson alone being able to pull them out of the mire. No. Um, so I and I, I think. You know, this fixture isn't going to help them. Their fixtures as well for between now and the end of the season. I mean, after Spurs, okay, they've got Burnley, but it's West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, Man City. I'm not interested in that. That's it's hard. I mean, I I literally look at them and think, you know, Callum Wilson Blessing's going to go down twice in two years. That's how it feels to me right now. I'm looking at him thinking, how how have you gone down with Bournemouth last year? gone to Newcastle and I actually thought at the beginning of the season I thought that was a really good move for Callum Wilson I looked at that and thought yeah that that could be a really good fit for him and now this has happened and and yeah I mean I asked the question thinking that you probably would just say no so but it, it was it was a conversation that had to be had given they actually did play in game week 29. You've got to ask the question Sam. You've got to ask. <laughs> The rest of the season, you just want to target those clubs that are playing Newcastle or Sheffield United. And there's your yeah, I think so. It feels that way. I mean, Newcastle, one clean sheet in the last four. And they are top four defensive tackles lost in the last four game weeks. Meanwhile, they're coming up against Spurs, scored eight goals in the last four. That's the fourth best in the league. Like, I mean, it's and I don't think it gets any better after the Spurs game. You know, Spurs game looks like it's going to be hard work for them. Post the Spurs game, I don't see things improving. What about Leeds then? Another side that I think we're all highly invested in, unlike Newcastle, highly invested in Leeds. Lots of Bamford owners, some Rafina owners out there, lots of Dallas owners out there. Bamford and Rafina did play really well in game week 29. And finally, Rafina was getting some people on the end of the stuff that he was doing. Like he's been brilliant for weeks and just not had anyone around him that's been kind of improving, the, uh, putting them away, I suppose. They kind of haven't hit a barn door for a while. Um He's also, you know, Bamford's flag, but he's had the international break to recover. I'm suspecting he's going to be all right for game week 30. Um, They are playing a doomed Sheffield United side. Lots of managers out there will go, well, I'm just going to captain Kane because they're playing, you know, Newcastle. Is there scope to captain these Sheffield United guys on what we've seen so far in this game? Because after this game, their fixtures get really hard. So is it like a one final flurry? It's really intriguing with Leeds at the moment because their fixtures do turn and they do all of a sudden become, well, fairly disgusting. After the Sheffield United, it's um, Man City, Liverpool and then Man United. And the thing is with Leeds, I think probably, like you said, lots of people are really heavily invested. But unlike with Brighton, 
I think I feel like that attraction is maybe over. With Leeds, you know that they know one way to play. And I'm looking yeah, at some of those attack. fixtures. Yeah, they will attack. So I'm looking at some of those fixtures thinking, will I keep my Leeds players? What will I what will I do with them? In terms of this week, I definitely think there's an argument for captaining in putting the armband on either Rafinha or Bamford. I definitely think there's an argument for that. Sheffield United's defense is the worst over the last six game weeks in the Premier League. I think it's 13 goals that they've conceded and notoriously they've been bad at the back and as Greg said last night I'm going to steal Greg's stat that Leeds are flat track bullies they are brilliant against the sides in the bottom six I think you said last night Greg it was 24 points out of 27 in the um I listened to you I do listen occasionally (laughs) yeah against uh against those sides in the in the bottom six so Leeds are really attractive in that fixture against Sheffield United the difficulty is then going to be if Leeds steamroll Sheffield United it's going to be difficult to get rid of your assets for the games afterwards and the game afterwards is is City Leeds were actually brilliant against City last time and that's definitely worth remembering I don't think that you need to necessarily get get rid of a lot of them if you got on them early they're, they're also cheap yeah. Like you can just bench like if you, you could hold two easily and just not play them for three weeks um, and not have to worry about your budget too much. Sam, do you like this? We've essentially banned Greg from talking about Leeds during your podcast. So he doesn't <laughs> just whack on for ages because obviously, as you know, Greg's a Leeds fan and he's sat there just itching, itching. Greg, to he's literally, he's bouncing now. He's like, come on, let me speak about Leeds. Oh, shall I ask him directly? Greg, what's your opinion on Leeds? Oh, why did you do it, it Sam? <laughs> Podcast gonna be two hours long. No, I will just say is about Rafinha. Uh, I love that guy. I think he's unbelievable. He's one of the best players outside the Big Six or the so-called Big Six. And he'll be, at, he'll be at Liverpool next season, though, Greg, won't oh, he? So he'll be playing in the Big Six. One as a guest. <laughs> but um, look, since his full debut for Leeds, which was in game week nine, of all the midfielders below nine million, these stats are unbelievable for Rafinha. So he's top for shots, top for shots on target, top for big chances created, top for key passes, top for expected assists, second for assists actually again in general, third for points accumulated in that period, and, and what third for cross there crosses in, into the box as well like they are ridiculous those stats as you said earlier it'd be great if actually we could convert half the stuff we create yeah. but he could put got 50 points in that double game week if the rest of them had finished those goals that he was, yeah. all the crosses he was would, putting in you go back to that wolves game where cooper missed both those chances he could yeah. have i mean got what all three bonus points from from crosses basically that game yeah it was just unbelievable i mean he is so exciting to own because you get invested even more in, in, in that exciting Leeds team and you want him to do well. So him and him and Bamford have been a great double act this this season and, and they've been exciting to hold. And as Nick says, they're, they're so a lot of people probably got on them quite early doors. So you can afford to at least have one or two of them. I think most people within the sort of top 50, 100K have probably got Bamford, Rafina, and Dallas. Of the three, Dallas probably might be able to make way for maybe a Liverpool defender or Chelsea for, for their nice run of games and fixtures, but it's make, it'd be sensible and, and safe to, to hold on to, to Rafinha and Bamford because they will score and they will create. create with Rafinha as well, it's always nice to see a player who plays with his shorts rolled up. I'm not sure how that plays into <laughs> FPL, but I know you'll like that, Greg. Oh, I love that. That's, that's one of my main attractions to him. Uh, 
Oh, well, before this descends into absolute carnage, let's turn our attention to game week 30. It's first normal game week in what feels like forever. And, you know, we're going to be building up to another double game week and another blank game week in 32 and 33. This one's really hard to call. It's really hard to call in terms of captains. We've already talked about how Leeds are options for captaincy, Spurs are options for captaincy. Obviously, you can throw Manchester United and Bruno Fernandes into that argument as well there's a number of players that you could captain there's a lot of managers myself included who are going to have some horrendous benching headaches this week because lots of the popular assets have got really nice fixtures so I thought I'd start by asking you to pick us out one or two players each that you think are going to be really important to own this week somebody that's owned by over 10% of the game somebody that's owned by under 10% of the game um and we'll just get a feel for kind of who we who we might be aiming for, because I think there's going to be a lot of people that, you know, make make a transfer this week that's kind of fun because they're looking for a wild card in 31. So there might be a make FPL fun transfer to come. So maybe the differentials might come into their own in this one. I think for a player that's owned uh, by over 10%, DCL is, is, is another really exciting op- option this week, for even for a captaincy as well. I mean, yeah. he's you look at not just him as a player, but look at the opposition. So Crystal Palace. DCL is like top in the league for for headed goals. He's got six this season. Actually, he's ahead of Kane and Beteke. But Palace concede the most headed chances by far in the league. They also concede the most headed attempts from set pieces as well. So that's a nice little marriage made in heaven. And I know <laughs> DCL not necessarily been on fire recently, but Palace are so poor. And I, I mm. think good captain option. Do you just say Benteke as part of a stat? I've not heard yeah, his name all season. <laughs> Mate, that's incredible. He's going to be up there somewhere, isn't he? <laughs> I think, I think DCL's a, a, a great shout as well. I think, I know it's only one game, but um, as we were saying last night, I think he, he looked like last game he was getting into those positions that he was during his purple patch at the start of the season. Um, and I think he could definitely get in amongst the goals this week. The thing is with DCL, he's got fixtures that you could hold him as well. He's got obviously Palace that, you know, we're mentioning for this game week coming, but then Brighton after that, then Spurs, what well, we saw in the in the cup, what games between Everton and Spurs can look like in terms of goals scored. Arsenal, who we've seen let in a lot of goals. Um, after that, Villa, West Ham, then Sheffield United, Wolves and Man City to end the season. So there's definitely scope in there for Dominic Calvert-Lewin to come in and not be a transfer that you need to make again afterwards. Particularly yeah, one hundred percent. I I I think he's he's at a good price range as well. Where you know if he if he did stop to st- stop performing, you could easily switch sw- sw- him out. So I, I like him as as a keeper for the rest of the season. Everton are funny though to buy, like assets to mind that, that you think just when you think oh they got they're a nail clean sheet or that's a that's a guaranteed win for that Everton team off the back of two wins they'll then just go and lose and like I mean they they're the only team to lost twice to Newcastle this year I mean that sums up Everton to a T there you go <laughs> who else you got for me then Dominic Calvert Lewin who else are we punting on this week if you want a differential Sam I am all about Diogo Jota this week oh. and for the run in like I, I think. We have seen not loads of him this season, but the bits that we have seen of him, he, he's looked really, really exciting. I think he seems to be the future of that team. Um, mm. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes dur- during the run-in. And Arsenal, that they're playing th- this week, they look really questionable at the back. Um, like they let in three last game. They've not kept a clean sheet since January. I think he could be you know, a, a bit of a sleeper selection this week. I, I, he's def- I think he's owned by under 5% at 
of of all players. So if if you've got a bit of money to throw around, maybe you're looking to get rid of Bale, he could be a nice a, a nice pick. I know Lee's been big on Jota as well recently, hasn't he, Sam? Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because Liverpool have been, and Lee won't mind me saying this, but they have not been the side that they were last season. I think you know that that's clear to everybody watching them. And I think that there's been a bit of um lethargy amongst the key players, you know, the likes of Salah and Mane and Firmino, they just haven't performed in the way that they normally would. And in part that might be to do with you know what their plans are moving forward. But Yotta has been the total opposite of that. When he's played, he's out there, he's doing the pressing that we saw from Liverpool last season that they were doing so successfully. He's the one with all the spirit and and kind of the go out and get it at the moment. So Lee's really, really kind of pro Yotta. The fixtures are really nice for Liverpool. Okay, they have this game against Arsenal um, in game week 30, which on paper looks a difficult fixture, but Arsenal aren't keeping very many clean sheets. So there's definitely scope for goals in that game for Liverpool. But then after that, Villa, Leeds, Newcastle, then, okay, Manchester United, but again, anything can happen in that game. Southampton, Westbourne, Burnley, Palace to end the season. Like They don't get much better than that. And as an FPL manager that has no Liverpool right now, because I've sold Salah, Yotu is at a perfect price point for me to go, you can come in as part of my wildcard decisions, you're very nice and cheap. You're not going to stretch my budget. You're going to still enable me to have all of these other big important players and, you know, maybe go for De Bruyne until the end of the season, that sort of thing. And give me what looks to be the best way into Liverpool right now. Adam, you talked last night about Lingard as well. I mean, he is owned by more than some sense 15 and a half percent at the moment, which is actually a lot less than I thought he'd be owned given the form he's been on. But you're quite big on Lingard at the moment, aren't you? Ad? Yeah, I think Lingard and Rafinha are the two standout picks for me in midfield. I really like both of them and I mean obviously Rafinha's got a brilliant fixture this week and I think Lingard has a lot to play for I mean I've talked about that already so at the risk of repeating myself you know he is a Gareth Southgate favourite of the past and he could well get back into that kind of position of being one mm. of the the favourites to to maybe make a run that nobody was expecting and so he's got very little time to prove that I think Wolves have shown that without Jimenez after that terrible injury, they haven't really had all that much, you know, they haven't had somebody as an outlet to hold up the ball as well as a goal scorer. So that just opens them up so much more at the back and West Ham consistently have been really good going forward. So yeah, big fan on Lingard. I think if there was, if I was having, if I was wildcarding next week and I really fancied, you know, a punt on somebody, a couple of players I like, obviously Rafinha and Lingard, but I love Mount. I think, Mount is a really good option. I think Chelsea this week have a great fixture and he looks like a consistent performer under Tuchel. I think he's something like three goals in his last seven, three goals in his last six, something like that. Um, also getting assists as well. He's, um, I think, three times in his last six come up with a double-digit haul. So yeah. that, for me, makes him the kind of player that I'd be looking to invest in and could definitely be worth it. Like if you've already got Mount and you've, oh sorry, if you've already got Lingard, you've already got Rafinha, which a lot of people do, maybe that might be a nice, nice way to go to give you that, that differential. Because, you know, we talked about this a lot, but between now and the end of the season, you probably only need one or two players to make your team stick out from, from the rest. You don't need to go for a whole team of differentials and go for anything crazy. So someone like that could be a really good shot. Yeah, I really like the Mason Mount shout, actually. I think, you know, Chelsea, as you say, fixtures actually until the end of the season look pretty incredible. There's, there is a, a road game in there against Manchester City. But other than that, they've got fixtures that look look, look fairly winnable um, every single week. And and I think there's a bit of, um, there's, a, there's a challenge, isn't there, with 
picking a Chelsea player, an attacking Chelsea player, until the end of the season. Um, because, you know, you, you think about Pulisic and Ziyech and um, Werner, you never really know with those guys whether they are going to play. But Mason Mount, apart from that one match when he was dropped right at the beginning of Tuchel's um, tenure at Chelsea, and we all thought, oh, here we go. He's going to just, he's going to lose his place. Um, I, I think, you know, he's proven everybody wrong. He he looks absolutely brilliant again. And, and I was really, really impressed um, really impressed with him and, and for England as well. You know, he's gone away on international duty and impressed there. So th- there's kind of consistency with him right now. Really nice price point um, too. So it's an easy way in. And yeah, I mean, I, I really like Mal. I think, you know, Lingard, as Adam was saying, lots of people starting to get on the, Lind- um, in the, on the Lingard bandwagon on the basis of the, play- the game that they had in game week 29. Um, I loved owning Lingard through game week 29. He was supposed to be a one-week punt. That was it. He was coming in for that game week. He was off. He's not going anywhere now. I, I think what, though, Sam? He's actually got the highest points per game for the entire season since, uh, yeah. since he joined. It was like eight points per game he's averaging. It's, wow. It's- the issue I have with him is that he looks phenomenal. Every time I watch him, he looks brilliant, passes the eye test, but he's underachieving. Like his XG is just in the toilet. So he's just overperforming every week. And, yeah. and at some point like, you kind of feel like it's going to run out, but equally, as Adam said, he's got something to play for in terms of England, but even more importantly than that, maybe he's got something to play for in terms of his club career. Like where's he going to be next season? He's one of those players a bit like Zahar, maybe, who we've not talked about, but could actually maybe be a player that we should consider at some stage because they are going to have a double game week, given that they don't play in game week 32, that is going to want to put his name out there in the window again, because we all know that every year Zahar wants to move. And this season, it's going to be for Lingard. Where's he going to go? Is he going to stay at West Ham? Is he going to get a permanent deal there? Is he going back to Manchester United to fight up his space there? Is he going somewhere else? So I think Lingard and Mount... Um, and maybe after the blank in 32, Zahar, um, if you fancy going absolutely rogue as, as <laughs> you know, as can be, um, they all have different things that they're aiming for. You know, Mount and Lingard have the England stuff and, and the Euros Mount's too. Mount's a funny so. one because I've never really wanted to own him. And he's not a player that I've particularly admired from afar, but his current form and, and actually he is playing really well. And, and, and he he's now playing well enough that from an FBL perspective that he's actually returning points. So he's not just the guy who the assisted the assister or he's, he plays well in a team that does well, but doesn't really turn you any points where he is now actually putting points on the board. And that's mm. when someone actually starts to pique the interest of the community. And he is at a price point where he does enable you to do a lot of other stuff with the team as well, which at that's this point of the season, that's quite exciting. I think that Havertz is kind of like the trendy hipster pick, isn't it, at the moment? <laughs> because yeah. he's like getting into better positions. He's playing like almost like a, a lone striker role. And I think he, because uh, I was looking at this and there is still a big difference between the numbers, Mount versus Havertz. Like Mount blows him out of the water. So I think for those hipsters out there, just beware. I don't think Havertz is 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 all he's 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 being made out to be. If you want to know uh, a little from a differential perspective, Sam, I've gone for Jack Harrison this week. Five point four million. I think it's like three percent owned. He's actually, I mean, he came off the back of what he got an assist against Fulham. He should have scored a couple recently. He's been quite unlucky. I mean, he does have a bit of a fifty p of a foot sometimes, but I think against that Sheffield United team, 
we're going to create chances. And if you're going for a one-week punt as a differential, Jack Harrison could uh, come up trumps this week. Greg, is that just another excuse for you to mention Leeds? Are you, yeah. You're basically just well, the Leeds version of me, aren't you? I needed to get just as many Leeds players in as possible. I haven't even talked uh, about Melia. Oh, God, not Melia again. <laughs> uh, you're, what I've discovered during this pod is that you are basically the Leeds equivalent of me. Like, you, you have your Leeds goggles, <laughs> like I have my Spurs ones. Um, and sometimes it's quite hard to tune out from that. But actually, you know, I have been quite impressed with Harrison. A couple of times I've watched him and thought, you know, you look you look decent. I, the, the problem I have with Leeds is... is the run after this game like you know I, I currently have Dallas and Bamford very happy to have them both this week if Bamford if if Kane didn't have such a nice fixture I probably would even put my armband on Bamford this week mm. um and I would really like to own Rafina, but I can't bring myself to bring him in given that it would feel like it would be an immediate transfer out maybe not for him but for another Leeds player next week because I certainly don't want three through the difficult fixtures that they have coming up even though we have seen this season that the only way Leeds know how to play is to go out and attack. So there's always attacking potential there. And Rafina is phenomenal. He, he's he been absolutely phenomenal. If he wants to come and play at Spurs, he would be very, very welcome. And it's that time of the season where players go on little runs, don't they? Like It's that last sort of nine, ten games where somehow someone just comes up with three or four goals out of nowhere. And obviously we've got the Euros to play for. So like you could, maybe Greenwood will actually come out and, and, and he, he started playing well recently. So you've got looking at those sort of players that, that could come to for Neto, if Wolves actually start to click a little bit more up front, are quite exciting as well. So there are players out there that definitely should be on the people's radars or watch lists, whatever you want to call them. Right. Before I let you guys go, the all important question this week, and we've sort of been alluding to it throughout. I've, probably made it far too clear that I'm going to captain Kane this week. So we won't talk about that anymore, what? but <laughs> such a surprise to you, Greg, isn't it? I know you don't, you didn't see that coming, did you? It's come from <laughs> literally nowhere. Nobody's seen it coming. To be honest, if I was absolutely certain, categorically certain that Son was going to be fit to start, I would be tempted to give him the armband this week just because of how poor Newcastle have been down that flank. Yeah. He could be really, really nice this week. And he's had a rest over international break. Well, but he's the injury doubt. Unless Mourinho comes out and says, guaranteed sun starts, it'll be Kane with the armband, I think, for me. But what about you guys? Who is getting the armband? Who do you think's a good pick? I mean, for me, it's kind of come down to Kane or Bruno. And I think you just got to look at the opposition. And I think Newcastle are just a significantly weaker side than Brighton. So it's... It's not as complicated as I think a lot of people are saying it is this week. I think if you've got Kane, you've, you've got to stick it on him. I think Rafinha could be a bit of a rogue pick and I do like that. So, you know, in my own personal team, that that is what I think I'm going to be doing because I, I, I don't own Kane for some mad reason. Greg is loving that. Yeah. Aren't you, Greg? Uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, we all agreed last night, Kane's, uh, Kane will be our FPL experiment pick. I'm undecided what I'll do in my own personal team because... I think uh, Rafinha is just calling out to me, but again, that's my league goggles, Leeds goggles. But DCL, DCL is 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 really tempting as well. I think it will come down to the last minute for me what I'll do, but at the moment, Kane, and and I think yeah. from an experiment perspective, that's what we're doing. Yeah, our team, Kane all the way. See, it isn't just me. Everybody loves a bit of Harry Kane. <laughs> it's not yeah. just me that is in Harry Kane's fan club. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on again. I know I've got you back again before the end of the season, so I'll look forward to chatting to you again when hopefully you'll be in the top 20K by then with your team. We can push oh, on. Oh, yeah. 
Fingers crossed. Get yourselves up there. I'll be back next week. This time I'll be joined by Graham, who's from FF Focus. We'll be looking back at game week 30 and having a look ahead to game week 31.